Hello and welcome back to the College Baseball Central Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Healy, publisher and editor of collegebaseballcentral.com. Today, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Branham, play-by-play announcer for the Houston Cougars. Uh, We're going to talk all about the Houston program. Really, one heck of a five-year run for this Houston Cougars program. Four regionals in five years. uh, Hosted a couple regionals, a super regional appearance in 2014. Um, you know, arguably the most consistent uh, and best program in the American Athletic Conference since the formation uh, of the American a few years ago. So a uh, pretty good run for them. So we'll talk about how that came to be. We'll also talk about the idea that maybe uh, the program's run has been a little bit underappreciated nationally. Uh, then we'll look ahead to 2019, talk a little bit about, um, you know, what to expect next season. You know, who's going to be in the rotation? Aaron Fletcher, Trey Cumby, a couple of uh, proven guys in that rotation for the last several years, uh, you know, Fletcher coming on more recently in 2018, Trey Cumbie a little bit longer track record of success there, but a couple guys who were big parts of the puzzle. So who's going to step into those roles? We'll also talk about a couple guys in Jared Triolo and Joe Davis, uh, who are going to be big parts of the middle of the order for the Cougars. Triolo coming off a, a good summer in the Cape is more of a premier prospect, while Joe Davis just a really solid college power hitter. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about expectations for those guys, and we'll talk about some breakout stars as well, who from the 2018 roster Jeremy looks at as potential breakout stars heading into 2019. So a lot of stuff to get into with Jeremy. Let's jump right in. All right, as promised, we are joined by Jeremy Branham, Houston Cougars baseball play-by-play announcer, although that's among his his many gigs, uh, you know, Houston Cougars men's basketball, doing football sideline, the coaches show for football and basketball, Houston Dynamo play-by-play, which... I can't even imagine soccer play-by-play, a completely different animal from from baseball, I imagine, and then uh, covers the Houston Texans for Sports Radio 610. So Jeremy Branham, quite the busy man, so really thankful to have him on the show today. We're going to talk all things Houston Cougar baseball, a really consistent program over the last five years. It's been uh, one heck of a five-year run, a couple hosted regionals, four regionals in five years, a super regional appearance, and um, yet, you know, I, I kind of wonder if maybe the success is a little underrated nationally. So we'll get into that a little bit with Jeremy. And of course, we'll look ahead to 2019. Uh, you know, history suggests that Houston will be back in the mix to get into the postseason in 2019, but they do have some holes to fill. So we'll jump into that a little bit as we look ahead. So Jeremy, I appreciate you joining us today. Oh yeah, no problem. Happy to, to be on. I'm very familiar with your work and love talking college baseball. Wish I could do it more. So happy to join you. So I mentioned in the intro that the five-year run the program is on. You know, I kind of listed it off there with the regional appearances, the super. You know, depending on how you feel about maybe East Carolina, I would say Houston's probably been the most successful American Athletic Conference program since the formation of of the league. Um, How did they get here? You know, what would you point to that that shows that this program has gotten to the point where they're so consistent, where you just kind of assume that, you know, regionals are going to be in play, and it's about how much – more can they advance beyond regionals in a given year with regionals kind of being, you know, an assumption maybe is a strong word, but something like it. Yeah, I would say the easy answer is Todd Whitting. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a maybe more detailed answer just in a second, but he's built a really good program. You know, he was a Houston graduate, played baseball at Houston, so he was very familiar uh, what it takes to win at Houston. And, and if you go back to the, you know, the early 2000s, whenever Rainer Noble was doing really good things, it was Todd Whitting who was on that staff. So he, he knows what it takes to win at the University of Houston, and then he went off to TCU, was the top assistant there, and had really good success while he was at TCU, was part of a staff that went to Omaha, went to the College World Series. And, you know, he had a few years there at the beginning that were, were difficult because the cupboard was left bare, to be honest. And then once he got his system rolling and he got his guys in place, he brought in, you know, some updates with the coaching staff, 
you know, that's, that's really what triggered everything and got the wheels in motion in terms of Houston Cougar baseball returning to college baseball relevancy. So he's the, really the, the, the big answer there, I would say, is that his, under his guidance, he's a big reason why they are what they are. And just the, the coaches that he's brought in, too. Like, you have Frank Anderson as a pitching coach for a while. It was just tremendous. And that was one of the biggest reasons the Houston Cougars were one of the best ERA teams for quite a while. And then as soon as Frank Anderson was gone, he brought in Terry Rooney, who had a tremendous amount of success at UCF. So it, it, it's underwitting the guidance he's had and the really the smarts he's had to bring in some good pitching coaches because he's more of an offensive guy, willing to let those guys you know take the reins of the pitching staff. And then just having uh, the ability to bring in really good players. You know, you're in a hotbed of college baseball in the city of Houston. So uh, he's been really good at identifying players that maybe some of the bigger schools don't want, bringing those in, you know, winning and bringing in the hotbed. I would say are the biggest reasons why they've had the success they've had over the last five years or so. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at something a little bit that's not there. I'll, I'll let you tell me. But I, I can't help but feel like maybe the success of the program, as I alluded to in the intro, is, is maybe a little underappreciated nationally i mean they're the more i think about it i I would consider them the most consistent successful program in the the short history of the american athletic conference and yet maybe i feel like they don't um get looked at that way uh the american being the best baseball conference in my opinion outside of those major conferences um and maybe it feels like houston doesn't get that the credit for being what they are do you feel that way at all maybe that's unfair given that you're so close to the program and you're you're there all the time but i can't shake the feeling that maybe that's the case you know, I think I would lean to what you, the, the latter of what you said. You know, being around it every single day, they consider themselves to be a team that wants to go to Omaha every single year. You know, their bar is the College World Series, and their bar is to be ranked very high year in year out. So their, you know, their philosophies not really. I guess they don't feel underappreciated so much because they have been ranked. They have been a team that's hosted regionals, went to super regional. Uh, but if, I mean, I follow college baseball enough to to realize they're not you know, the ones that are always getting talked about. Uh, they're not the ones that always have a, a lot of attention paid towards them. So I can see that. Um, and that probably comes from the, the nature of, you know, not being in the, the power five, if you will. And I agree with your assessment that you look at the American conference, it stacks up with just uh, about any of the, the leagues around college baseball with, you know, the baseball prowess that they have in that league. But, being around the program, I don't get the feel that they're, they're so much underappreciated locally, especially with Bryce falling off a little bit. Uh, but in the national sense, uh, you know, they're kind of, a, I guess, a sleeping giant, if you will, although they have made a bit of noise recently. I want to talk about some specific players, one of which is, is Jared Triolo, um, a guy who's getting a lot of buzz from a scouting standpoint. Um, you know, he's on all these lists of top 100, top 150, you know, prospects for the 2019 draft, had a good summer at the Cape this past summer, a second consecutive year he's been at the Cape, Cape I believe. So um, what are your expectations for him for a breakout season in 2019? Because it feels like maybe he just hasn't quite tapped into all of his potential during the springs so far. I would agree with you that he hasn't quite tapped into all of his potential because I still think he has a, a little bit more that he can pull from. Um, I, I would disagree a little bit with your notion that you know he's going to have a breakout year in his junior season because I, I feel like his breakout year was his sophomore year. Uh, I think mm. he came onto the scene with a really you – know, he had a, I can't remember the batting average, but he hit well over 300. But where I think he's still missing part of his game, and I expect him to get to it in his junior season coming up, is the power. We haven't quite seen the power that you expect from a guy with you know his measurables. He's a tall, big-bodied kid. You know He has great – bat to ball um, ability, which you, you saw with his high batting average and then his good success in the Cape. 
But, you know, I, the next step for him that I want to see is I, I want to see him turn on that inside fastball and drive it over the wall and left. Uh, which is something we haven't seen a ton of. He likes to go the other way. He likes he, he can hit the ball with authority the other way. Uh, a lot of his home runs are going to the opposite field. But I want to see him start taking advantage of some mistakes on the inner part of the plate that he can drive over the wall and left. And, and that's the missing part of his game right now. And look, I'm not going to nitpick Jared Triolo because he's a very, very good player. Uh, but if, if I'm going to offer one critique or, or one thing that's going to take him to the next level, because right now I think he's very, very good. I think he can be great. And to get to that greatness, it's going to be that power on the inside part of the plate. Speaking of power, Joe Davis. Um, that's that's a segue <laughs> for you there, folks. Um, yeah. You know, Joe Davis at times, um, you know, he he jumped onto the scene very quickly as a freshman and was was quite impressive. And at times he's looked like one of the very best power hitters in college baseball. And he struggled a little bit with injuries throughout his career and, and what have you. Uh, what are your expectations for his, uh, what will be his his final season at Houston um, you know, as someone who has had been a middle-of-the-order bat from pretty much the word go from getting on campus? If I were to answer it in one word, I would, I would say homers. But I won't answer <laughs> it in one word. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's strange. I mean, he, I guess it's not so strange, but the power that he has, it's not odd at, at all. Uh, but last year, he set the record for the most career homes, uh, the most career home runs in U of H baseball history, which yeah. is, you don't see many players doing that these days with the new BB core bats. Yeah. I mean, home run records aren't really falling at many universities. And, you know, U of H has had good baseball success. Uh, so breaking a home run record in this day and age at a pretty good baseball program uh, says a lot about the career that Joe Davis has already had. And then you bring him back for a senior season. And, you know, what's, what's interesting about Joe is he got really hot towards the end of last year. Uh, he had a bit of a, a, a slump towards the start of the season, and he, he had some nagging injuries that took him a while to get over. And He was trying to play through some of those nagging injuries. He had a wrist issue for a while that cost him a few games in the middle of the year. And then we, once, once U of H got into the postseason, he started to click. Uh, he was able to carry them uh, really to their success that they had in the latter part of the year. He had a big conference tournament, and they had a really big Chapel Hill Regional where it seemed like every time he was stepping to the plate, I mean, you felt that anything that was going to come off the bat had a chance to leave the yard. Uh, so I'm expecting a big senior year for Joe. Um, the, the one thing you always have to worry about with him are, are the nagging injuries because he's played through nagging injuries, it seems like, every year he's been at U of H. So if he can stay healthy, uh, I don't see any reason why Joe's not going to have a, another big home run total this year. That's such a – as a quick aside, I was floored um, when when I saw the tweet at some point last season that he had – he had set the career record for home runs. I would have assumed, like, like kind of like you, I would have assumed, I don't know, Chris Snyder, you know, someone like that who, you know, played yep. at a time when home runs were just, you know, anybody could hit, you know, not anybody, that's an overstatement. But, you know, a lot of guys could hit 10, 15 home runs a year um, and not really think much of it. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised by that. And, and it does go to kind of show that, uh, um, you know, the quality, how quality he has been in spite of some of those nagging injuries, things like that. So, uh, let's talk about the pitching a little bit, and that's you know probably what this program has been most known for. You mentioned Frank Anderson as the pitching coach for a good chunk of time, and uh, it seems like Houston's always got a workhorse or two at the front of that rotation. Last year was no uh, no different. Aaron Fletcher made a fantastic transition from bullpen to the rotation, and you know Trey Cumbie had been at it for a couple of years. Those guys obviously not going to be around anymore. Um, are there any candidates you you think of off the top of your head uh, that that look like pieces that could immediately maybe not even replace those guys. It's not really fair, but, but slot into those roles uh, and give the Cougars good innings. The top two that come to mind that return, uh, the Sunday starter from last year, Ryan Randall, who, who is a, a tall, lanky, righty, 
who can hit to the low nineties, and he, he has really good off-speed stuff, secondary stuff that has good movement. And he had a, he had a good first year of college baseball. Um, it, it probably it wasn't great, and I bet you if you asked Ryan, he, he would think that he would have he should have better numbers than he did. So maybe he was a player last year that while well, it was his first year in college baseball, and he would take what he gave you as a junior college transfer. He feels like he can take that next step to be either a Friday Saturday starter. Uh, for U of H going in, into next season. And then you have Fred Villarreal, who ever since he arrived on campus, it's been the, you know, when is he going to break out? When is Freddie going to break out? It was a late-round draft pick coming out of high school. Uh, was a big-time recruit. He had a decent freshman year, but it wasn't that you know eye-popping statistical year that you would think. And then last year he had elbow issues at the very start of the season, and he never really got back into form, and he never really got back into the conditioning and the stamina you need to be a starter. He had some very key innings down the stretch, pitching out of the bullpen. Sometimes you'd go two, three innings of really good relief pitching, but never turned into that starter last year because of the elbow injury that he had at the beginning of the season. So I look at those two names as the ones that are coming back that have a good chance to spearhead uh, the rotation going forward. And they're really, they're really intrigued by a lot of the uh, the newcomers they brought in, whether it's junior junior college transfers or a couple of lively armed freshmen. Um, I was talking to Whitting the other day at the football game, and I, I forget the name that he mentioned, but he said that he had one guy that was, you know, topping out around 97, 98. Uh, so they have mm. some lively arms that they really like. And, and Terry Rooney now at the as the pitching coach, as I said earlier, Whitting does a really good job of just kind of getting out of the way, saying, "Hey, look, you're the pitching guru. Go teach the pitching to our pitchers." So I'm I always I always expect there to be two or three pitchers that come out of nowhere. Uh, for Houston in that starting rotation. They've, they've done it year in, year out. You know, Aaron Fletcher was converted as a, a reliever into a starter last year. It was outstanding. Uh, you know, they're replacing Cumbie and Fletcher, which is tough. I would say that Cumbie and Fletcher weren't your, your, your lights out, ace, Friday night starter. That's, you know, a college baseball pitcher of the year. Uh, that was evident with where they were taking the draft. So they're replacing a lot of innings and a lot of solid innings. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in that rotation. I want to ask you about breakout candidates otherwise. Uh, you know, with any good program, you have a situation where guys are just blocked. You've got talent all over the field, guys who have talent but just maybe aren't able to crack the lineup and get the at-bats or get the innings. Does anyone stand out from the guys who are going to be coming back in 2019? Does anyone stand out as a guy who's ready maybe to, uh, you know, be a little more of a primetime player, if you will? There are two names that, that jump out to me. I'm sure I'm overlooking somebody, but Drew Minter was somebody they thought was going to be a really good freshman. And it just never worked out. Got off to a really slow start. He was slumping with the bat. And the problem was when he was slumping with the bat, the Cougars were struggling to win games. And in an act of desperation, they had to try some different things. In fact, they went with Tyler Bilamovich, who was a starting pitcher. I shouldn't say he was a starting pitcher. He was a pitcher for them. They, they converted him from being a two-way player into solely being a pitcher because they needed him as a pitcher going into last year. And then because you had the early season offseason uh, offensive struggles, they were like, we need to figure it out. or We're, we're going to miss the postseason. They turned to Tyler Bilamovich, who was uh, a pitcher. All of a sudden, he's your leadoff guy by the end of the year. And really, he beat Drew Minter out for the job. But Minter is a more skilled player than Bilamovich, which is why Minter was the, the opening day starter in the outfield. Uh, he's very toolsy. He has all the tools that you want to call a baseball player. He you know, can be a good hitter. He's got pop in his bat. He's got a cannon for an arm, plays a very good right field. 
And he, he got a couple of key pinch hits last year in the postseason that, that said, okay, maybe he's figuring it out. But you didn't see it on a big stamp. You just didn't see it enough because he wasn't playing an everyday role. He wasn't starting every single day. So he's somebody that they thought were going to break out last year. It didn't happen. I'm really intrigued to see if that's the case this season. And then another kid that I, I really like is the catcher, Kyle Lovelace. He started most of the games for Houston behind the plate. Um, especially down the stretch. I mean, he was the everyday starter by the end of the year. There was a bit of a battle during the start of the season, middle of the season, uh, about who would win the catching job behind the play between he and Tucker Redden. Uh, Lovelace would eventually win that job. Neither one hit very well last year, which is why they kept trying to go with a bunch of different people. Lovelace is, you know, he doesn't look the part. He's a very small catcher. He's not very big. In fact, he's probably one of the smallest guys on the team. But he's an excellent defensive catcher. The, the pitchers love pitching to him. He'll block everything in the dirt. He's got a cannon for an arm. And he started to hit a little bit towards the end of last year. Like He's never going to be somebody who hits you know, double-digit home runs. Uh, but he, he's somebody that I think could hit around 300. And then with the defense that he provides you behind the plate, like, he can be a really good player for Houston going forward. We will wrap up with our, uh, as usual, with our food recommendation segment. This is going to be a doozy <laughs> uh, for a few reasons. Uh, you know, one is... Houston, uh, just a big city, so you got a lot of options. I've had, you know, had the issue with other writers I've had on, you know, Adam Sparks uh, of the Tennessean and Nashville, obviously being a big city. So that, there's that. Also, Jeremy is a native Houstonian, so he's got all these years of experience. It's not not somebody who's just lived there for a couple of years. So, um, and Houston's a great. Uh, I know from having been a Houston native that you know Houston's a great food city. So uh, I'm gonna uh-huh. put Jeremy on the spot a little bit, and this is gonna be. Are going to be a little bit tough, but uh, the the preamble I give here, Jeremy, every time is that let's take logistics out of the equation. Let's assume that the listener can get into any restaurant. You don't have to worry about a reservation. You don't have to worry about, well, this place has wonky hours, so you have to get there at a certain time. Let's just throw all that out. Let's just focus on the food. Where would you recommend uh, someone go to get to bite to eat in the Houston area? Yeah, that's always a tough question. You get that a lot. You know, radio guys coming yep. into the city, just people you talk to, hey, we know what we're trying to grab a bite to eat. My my general question to that question is like, okay, where are you in the city? Because like you said, it's sure. so big. But if we're throwing away the logistics out of that, you know, genre is an important question too. Like if you're wanting to come to Texas and have some barbecue, the first place I'm going to tell you is Killen's Barbecue in Pearland. Yeah. And their beef rib is the single best bite of food you can find in the city of Houston bar none. But then, you know, if you wanted to go to the Tex-Mex option, there's a lot of really good fajita places you can go to as well. Papacitos is a favorite of mine. El Tiempo, if you're within the loop, is another favorite of mine. So if I'm going to recommend a place for somebody visiting Houston, I'm going to ask them, do they want barbecue? Do they want Tex-Mex? And then that's going to be my answer. It's barbecue, killings, no doubt. You better get the beef rib. And then if you want to go with some Tex-Mex, which is, you know, a staple in Houston, I would recommend Papacitos and El Tiempo. What would you say? You spent some time here. Yeah, I, I'm a. I, that's a great. It's a great first question. Uh, barbecue killings as well. Uh, that's always my answer there. Uh, Tex-Mex. I'm a Ninfas on navigation guy. Um, that's close third. Close yeah, third. Grew up going there. You just gotta. There's a little bit of a, a disclaimer I give people there. Like, don't make plans right after you eat there. You know, like you're going to have to work that one off a little bit. You're going to need a nap or at the very least, I mean, maybe you can just get on 610 and sit in traffic for a while and then work it off. But, um, (laughs) you know, but it's not something you you don't want to eat at Ninfas on Navigation and then think you're going to go, you know, do some sort of physical activity. That's just not going to happen. So it's just, it's everything you want in Tex-Mex. The flavors are great, obviously, but it's heavy. You know, it's cheesy. It's saucy. It's Mm -hmm. um, the things you want, but it's not going to make you 
it's not going to make you want to go run a marathon right after. So I'm with you on the barbecue. It's killings for me, although you can swing a cat and hit good barbecue just about anywhere but in the city. But but Nimfa's on navigation is my Tex-Mex choice there. A really underrated barbecue place, too. It, like If we do add in the logistics of, you know, you're coming in on a weekend and you don't want to wait four and a half hours out in front of killings before <laughs> you, know, you grab a bite. Corkscrew Barbecue in Spring has really good brisket. You get the fatty brisket from Corkscrew, you will you'll be very happy. That's a good point too. Especially that's where the the, the the what part of town are you in? Because if you're on the north side, if you're yep. in the north suburbs for some reason, like you're not going to want to go necessarily somewhere in the loop, uh, just because of how long it'll take you to get there and traffic considerations. Or so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, even worse. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, so if you're on the north side, that's that's a great recommendation there because if you're if you're up north in spring or the woodlands, um, something like that, you're that's going to be a heck of a lot easier to get to. So yeah, a lot of a lot of fantastic places, and we've probably uh, we've left several on the table. Obviously, I have um, JP Heath, a guy uh, you know well, uh, JP Heath coming on the show uh, later in the week. So I'll, I'll be interested to kind of compare notes uh, with your recommendations and, and his. So we'll get by the time the listeners yeah. are done with these two episodes, which are going to go out back to back. By the way. Um, they'll have a, just a, a great, uh, tasting menu, if you will, for, for their visits to Houston. So that's, uh, fantastic. Well, JP, he's a, is a good friend of mine and a great guy. And I, I will listen to that podcast no matter what, but now that I, you know, I know you do these food recommendations at the end, I'll, I'll be even more intrigued. I'll watch it quicker than I would have otherwise. There you go. I or well, listen to it. I should say. I, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the, the, the metric bump there. Uh, <laughs> I always appreciate the listens. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Jeremy Branham for joining us again uh, today. Jeremy Branham play by play man for Houston Cougars baseball, but Hey, while we're at it, men's basketball and the coaches show the Houston dynamo uh, does radio for sports radio, six ten in Houston, uh, all over the place. Got about a million gigs in the city of Houston. Uh, a, uh, a media star, if you will, in, uh, in the city of Houston. Jeremy, I appreciate you joining us today. Use that word loosely, but I'll take it. Uh, good catching up, Joe. Our thanks once again to Jeremy Branham, Houston Cougar baseball play-by-play man. Uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Jeremy Branham. Once again, that's at Jeremy Branham on Twitter. That'll do it for this edition of the College Baseball Central podcast. Head on over to collegebaseballcentral.com for all of our continuing coverage of the college baseball offseason. For one, we'll have a lot more podcasts coming your way as we take you all the way up to opening day of the 2019 season. Uh, But also our fair share of features up. Uh, Most recently on the side, I put up my piece on the deep cuts in the college baseball schedules that we've seen so far. Not all schedules out, of course, but they're starting to come out at a pretty good clip now. So we're starting to get a good idea of what games to look forward to and uh, in the non-conference slate. Um, there's obviously some headliners, big tournaments, that MLB tournament in Arizona, the, the Shriners Classic in Houston's always a big deal. There's a great tournament in Frisco. Uh, you know, the West Coast teams, UCLA, Fullerton, Long Beach, they have these fantastic non-conference schedules. But I looked at some deep cuts, uh, some quality series or quality tournaments beyond those uh, marquee games. So uh, check that out on the site if you haven't done so already. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeOnSports. That's Joe underscore on underscore sports. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. And no matter where you listen to our show first, be sure you're subscribed and do so if you're not already. But also consider leaving us a rating and review. As we continue to try to grow the show, your positive ratings and reviews are crucial as we try to climb those recommended podcast lists. Finally, you can get in touch with the show via email at collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.